0: Hello and welcome to Russians with Attitude. You are about to hear a seat trap on the conflict in Ukraine, the Fall of Azov edition. Also we will share some stories about LDNR, but not from a military or political perspective. We will tell you about how the locals actually live. Why do Donetsk people love sushi so much? What is the ideology of a Donetsk schoolgirl who loves anime? The really important questions that you should ask yourself about a region isolated from the rest of the world and even from Russia in the state of war for a decade now. But in the meanwhile, let's talk for about 10 minutes what was happening in the war theater in Ukraine yeah the
1: front line has moved quite a bit especially in the last couple of days the most important news uh, i think is uh, the collapse of the ukrainian front near papasne uh, we have already talked about the strategic significance of Popasna in one of the previous trips um, i'm not sure which
0: one two months ago
1: the battle for Popasna took two months it uh, the ukrainians knew very well how important it was for their front lines and it has collapsed under the attacks of um, well the all-star super show presenter the russian armed forces the lugansk people's militia chechen units and uh, the musicians who aren't there and it was them, actually, their heavy assault groups, their assault infantry, who broke the stalemate in Papasne and uh, managed to beat the Ukrainians out of their positions. And now um, the whole piece of the front has just fallen apart and um, Russians are advancing in the north, in the west and in the south of Pop- from Papasne. Um, the pretty arrows on the map have already earned the, this operation, the nickname Flower of papasna by Russian bloggers. Um, as of today, um, Russian troops have reached Vrubovka in the north, Vladimirovka in the west and uh, currently um, somewhere around Vyskriva in the south. <coughs> this accomplishes two separate things uh, or creates two severe threats for the ukrainian army namely the first one is that the positions in gorsk and zawatoia are in danger of immediate encirclement um Zavotoje is also a heavily fortified region uh, it features a fortified district Uh, One of those that are so severe that you can see them on Google Maps, actually. And uh, there has also been some sporadic fighting going on, artillery duels, and uh, now it's uh, possible that there will be an encirclement in the coming days there. Since uh, Russians are advancing from northeast, uh, Agehova, and now coming from the southwest as well, from Papasne, Uh at Kamyshuvaha is the front line right now. So there is uh, basically the line, there is the road between Kamyshuvaha and Gorske um, which would need to be seized and uh, or north of Gorske. Um, there is also fighting going on at Tashkovka. And basically, if the Russian troops manage to reach, uh, to u- unite north of the vrubik line, then encirclement will be achieved and uh, the Ukrainian positions there will be doomed. The other aspect is the looming uh, assault on Severodonetsk, which has already begun. And... Um, Basically, the Popasna offensive also supports uh, this assault, as Russians have already reached uh, Lipavoye which is directly on the border between Donetsk and Lugansk oblast. They are right at the last main road that can supply Lisichansk and Severodonetsk from the southwest. And if this road is cut off, Um, then there will be no more, well the only way to supply Severodonetsk and Lysychansk will be like going through the forest or back roads or something but uh, no more serious uh, supplies will be possible and operative encirclement will be achieved as well. Operative encirclement as in fire control over all roads leading into the city and not uh, direct physical encirclement which is still uh, ways off for now, but assaults on the suburbs of Severodonetsk have already begun. So it's uh, probably a matter of time. It is a bit unclear uh, what exactly is happening to the Ukrainian garrison in Severodonetsk, uh, since there have been some contradictory reports about uh, territorial defense units fleeing from there uh, as they regarded as indefensible, which it kind of is. I mean it's defensible, but uh, the defense itself is probably doomed. And the smart thing would be to pull back from Severodonetsk and Lysychansk to the bakhmut Slavyansk and Kramatorsk line. But it's uh, unclear if that is even possible anymore. There have also been reports, uh, which are unconfirmed, of the uh, AFU just putting even more troops into Severodonetsk and uh, create a second Mariupol, out of the city, so that's a bit unclear. Northern part of the Donbass, uh, uh, between Izum and Papasne, um, the battle for Grushvrache, uh, there is some activity there south of Izum, um, but mostly positional fighting. There is also reports of uh, movement from Jampel to um, Azorne Half of Tashkovka is being controlled right now. Um, there have been there has been some recon by fire between Arhehovengorskaya and, and Ustinovka, so things are moving there as well, but much more slowly than uh, near papasna Aside from that, uh, there hasn't uh, been much movement, uh, mostly positional fighting and artillery duels. On the other fronts, uh, there has been a Russian. Counter counter offensive uh, in Kharkiv oblast. The Ukrainians have been pushed back from the border again uh, to more uh, comfortable positions for the Russian forces. I think the Ukrainians may have overextended themselves in their attempts uh, to take back parts of Kharkiv oblast. Uh, there aren't many Russian troops there. It's mostly a skeleton garrison uh, of uh, like Rosgvardiya and uh, Lugansk reservists so no serious forces um and not strategically important but still uh there have been some russian advances there again so yeah that's uh i think about it there are a lot of strategic considerations uh, right now and the most interesting part of the front as of now is um yeah Donbass, of course, especially the southern, uh, the northern part of Donbass. And uh, the decisive battle for Severodonetsk will probably begin in earnest uh, in the coming days or weeks. And we will see if uh, the Russian forces can take advantage of uh, breaking through the Ukrainian front at Popasna. As of now, um, the vanguard of vdv forces have already reached uh, vladimirovka which is directly at solidar so that would be quite an achievement and uh, also prepare the coming offensive on Artyomovsk or bakhmut or we'll keep an eye on that uh, on these developments
0: yeah so what about the southern front other than the complete capture of Mariupol and the evacuation from the Azov style. <laughs> we'll talk about it later, but uh, where are the Russian forces headed?
1: There has been some very limited movement on the southern front. Uh, mostly, uh, it looks like shaping operations um, uh, on the other side of uh, the Dnieper from Nikopol. Um, and a bit uh, west of that, um, uh, um Olgina, Ivanovka, some shaping operations taking place, but nothing important. The front line in Cherson, between Kherson and Nikolaev hasn't changed much. kherson uh, uh, oblast is still almost uh, completely under Russian control, aside from a few um, strategically insignificant holdouts. But, uh, yeah. So, still, like, south of passat But nothing much happening, except artillery exchanges between Nikolaev and Kherson and, and, yeah, Mariupol is now um, indisputably under full Russian control. Um, I mean, it has been for a month, basically, except for as of uh, As of today, I think uh, 1,900 um, of the Soldiers stuck in Azovstal have surrendered, surrenders are continuing, the process is going slowly, mostly because of uh, logistical capacities, all these people have to be um, checked and uh, they have to be put somewhere, all the prisons in Donetsk Obrist are already full, um, so they are being transported to Rastov and Taganrog as well, I think the, um, the CISO, the jail in Rastov is already full as well of uh ukrainian prisoners it's uh really weird the the mariupol uh surrender actually like it's one of the most insane like uh information war ops i've seen yet in the war. possibly the most insane one because like you have dozens of videos of uh, like ukrainians just surrendering and being transported to Russian prisons. And at the same time, you have like Zelensky saying that it's a special operation to evacuate them under the control of the Ukrainian military. And like half of people in the West are for some reason convinced that they have been actually evacuated by Ukrainian special forces into Ukrainian held territory or something. And uh, like, American uh,
0: journalists had to make up a lot of euphemisms for surrender. Like uh, Washington Post, Mariupol defenders signal end to campaign at Azovstal, Style <laughs> or CNN, nearly 1000 fighters movement. leave Azovstal, Style <laughs> yeah. or uh, evacuate or whatever, go on vacation to Greece. <laughs> um, so is there any mainstream western media that acknowledged that it was not an evacuation have you seen any I think
1: I, I think today or something they have started actually using the word surrender I saw I don't remember where maybe New York Times But uh, one of those mainstream outlets actually used the word Mm -hmm. surrender, surprisingly.
0: Well, it's a usual tactic. Uh, First, they do some bullshit, and then they acknowledge uh, the reality. But it's too late, and it's uh, no longer relevant for the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Well, looking at the map, actually, it looks increasingly like the separation of Ukraine by Dnieper, Dnieper River. That's why Odessa is no longer such an important target. Well, uh, the fate of uh, this whole operation, of course, lies in the Donetsk and Lugansk oblasts. But uh, when it's all over, uh, let's imagine that uh, Lugansk and Donetsk finally captured at full. Will Russian forces steamroll the Dnipropetrovsk, Poltava, less fortified areas?
1: Yeah, well... There are basically three possibilities what uh, the Russian army could do after uh, victory in Donbass. Northern operation to capture Kharkiv, although I'm not sure how they would do that, Uh, I guess probably like blockade and just uh, continue... And leave it leave it in the rear because uh, taking Kharkov uh, will yeah, it's take be a, long a very line. long time if they try to assault it. The second uh, is a central offensive to kind of uh, make the front line straight. Like if you look at the map, uh, if you drew a line uh, from like Izium to Uglidar, like Pakrovsk and so on, and then continue to Pavlograd, uh, Dnepropetrovsk, Zaporozhye, Kryvyi Rih. Uh, this is a possibility or a sudden offensive, of course, against Nikolaev and Odessa. So these three are the possibilities, and I'm not sure which is more likely. Um, they all have their positive and their negative aspects. I'm really not sure. The strategic significance of Pavlograd, Zaporozhye, Dnepropetrovsk uh, will be extremely reduced after Donbass is taken um they since they are mostly important because they supply Donbass, the ukrainian uh, groupings in Donbass. so yeah although of course it would be much easier to advance there because uh, these super strong fortifications haven't been built up there for eight years so it uh, would probably more resemble a steamroll than um, the operations in Donbass. Kharkov, as we said, uh, this will probably be a long one. Uh, I think just a straight-up assault would, I don't know, take like half a year at least at this point. I can imagine
0: the entire special operation engine and Kharkov still staying under Ukrainian control.
1: It's possible, it's possible. Because uh,
0: there are no Russian forces in Sumy, the neighboring Mm. Oblast. So... Uh, it just might be left in the Ukrainian hands, maybe. Novorossia, aside from Kharkov, is more than enough. Mm, I don't
1: know. I mean, it's uh, Kharkov is a very important transport and logistics
0: hub. It's very close um, to the border. It's, it's huge. Yeah.
1: And, of course, it's also, it's also symbolic, because Kharkov used to be the capital of Russian Ukraine basically and now it's under control of Azov. Kharkiv was the largest pro-Russian city in Ukraine and then the Ukrainians killed a few dozen people there, put a few hundred in jail and a bunch of people left, like uh, and now it's the third capital of Ukrainian nationalism. Yeah. And all that happened within eight years. Well, so, it's hard uh, to. It happened very fast, and yeah. it's reversible as well.
0: So well, it's hard to imagine Donetsk becoming uh, base for Ukrainian nationalism, even of, uh, after eight years of uh, Azov uh, genocide or whatever. So I guess Kharkiv was not straightforwardly pro-Russian. Let's say that. I mean, I mean,
1: what's important here is that, like, really a lot of people left Kharkiv. Yeah. Uh, there is, uh, since 2014, like 150,000 people left Kharkiv. So,
0: I saw in the uh, Twitter reply someone de- demanded a proof. Uh, where, where do you find these numbers, so, the number who left Kharkiv?
1: I mean, population statistics are very different in Ukraine. There hasn't been a census in like forever and no one knows how many people there live but um, uh, if you google around you can find the numbers and i also know people from harkov and basically everyone will confirm to you that immense amounts of people just picked up and left i mean it's generally hard to estimate how pro-russian city actually is uh, i mean you had like Kherson, which was the most orange city in navarossia and, uh, now it's very loyal. You had like protest with like 100, 150 people. That's not much and, uh, no, no insurgency or anything. So everyone is kind of chill. So it's uh, really hard to estimate uh, how, what the political loyalties of any given city are or yeah. I mean, of course, the Ukrainian army is also doing their part to reduce Ukrainian patriotism by um, yeah, using the cities as uh, meat shields, which doesn't add to popularity of Kiev.
0: Well, Kiev is very popular. Maybe not with the Ukrainian citizens, uh, but in the West. Zelensky is uh, now uh, voted in as a Man of the Year, right? Well, it's a brilliant debut international scene for Zelensky because uh, naturally being the most popular Ukrainian comic or actor it's it's a pretty low ceiling and a lot of uh, actors (laughs) from Russia and Ukraine wish uh, to be acknowledged by the West and it's nearly impossible to do there are so many actors in Hollywood that they don't need uh, Ukrainian comics. Well, he managed uh, to do it, and now, do you think this uh, cult of Zelensky will last in the West?
1: I have no idea. It's it's, in... oh, it's it's so insane that I can't tell what they're gonna do anymore. It's 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 completely ridiculous. Uh, it's possible that Zelensky will like stay as a figurehead and like, I don't know... Like
0: Nelson Mandel or something. Yeah. Like exotic uh, freedom fighter.
1: Yeah. It's possible that he will be forgotten. Uh, I believe it's pretty likely that uh, in whatever will be left of Ukraine, um, Zelensky will be declared a Russian spy like Poroshenko before him mm-hmm. by Ukrainians and uh, the new cycle of the kalysogannya will begin
0: well i've read uh, some ukrainian patriots and they uh, their view of uh, what's happening mm-hmm. uh, what's interesting is that uh, we underestimate uh, the difference between poroshenko and zelensky for russians it's like uh, completely identical Russophobes, so uh, what does it matter? But uh, actually, uh, for Ukrainians, uh, uh, Zelensky's presidency uh, is a shift from the Western Ukrainians, who basically had a monopoly on Ukrainian identity, who dictated who is a Ukrainian man, what he believes in, what his religion is, and stuff like that. And this uh, Western Ukrainian elites are being pushed away by Zelensky's uh, team of uh, various Noviops and uh, people from Central and even Eastern Mm -hmm. Ukraine. So it's a Russian speaking, basically Russian speaking Ukrainian patriotism, uh, which is insanely Russophobic. Uh, And Mm -hmm. the Western Ukrainians don't play such an important part anymore because they don't fight in the war. They're just uh, some kind of weasels who do, do not matter anymore to Ukraine. So it's an interesting shift and it's more, I think, dangerous to Russia. Our enemy is no longer such uh, some alien from Galicia, but it's uh, like a person with a Russian name and surname who speaks only Russian and hates us. Mm-hmm. Generally.
1: Yeah, this is true.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, so should we move on to the economy, the grain crisis, or...
1: Yeah, and I think that the problem with talking about military stuff is that it becomes outdated very quickly, (laughs) as we've seen before. Especially when we
0: talk about various Ukrainian villages that change hands and stuff like that.
1: Well, I think uh, to sum up uh, what's uh, gonna be important in the next uh, weeks, days... Will be Severedaniatsk, Lysichansk, Liman, that whole salient that has formed um, between Papasne and Liman. And uh, all the interesting stuff will be happening there for now.
0: Another interesting news uh, from the last week is that uh, Ukraine naturally did not have time to sow the wheat. Uh, as they usually do.
1: Yes, and especially since the most fertile uh, Chernozem lands are currently under Russian control yeah. in the south. If you look at the fertility map of uh, Ukraine, you will see that it's uh, especially the lands around Kherson and Militopol that are the most fertile ones in Ukraine.
0: The food crisis is looming over Ukraine and there are news that uh, Ukraine exports its grain via ships uh, from the ports to... Yeah,
1: I was like, uh, I found it... I mean, it's actually sad, but uh, it's still kind of funny uh, when I read like that uh, the Europeans uh, said that they are uh, helping the Ukrainians empty their grain silos so they have enough uh, space for uh, the next harvest. (laughs) Yeah like 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 the level of cynicism where they just uh, take what they pretend uh, like to like help the ukrainians but actually just take away all
0: their wet. i wonder what is going to happen sooner the general war fatigue uh, the heavy losses or the complete unpreparedness for winter for autumn for countrywide hunger lack of gas and the rest Can they even continue the war with no food?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's not really in the hands of the Ukrainians when they end the war. It's not like Zelensky can just decide to make peace.
0: Well, yeah. Well, he didn't order Azov to surrender at Azov's style plant, but they did. So, sometime reality hits you.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess we'll see more we have already been seeing more surrenders in general on the um, eastern front since uh, since the azov of Stal surrender since i mean Azov is basically the the elite of the elite of the ukrainian army uh, highly motivated uh, the best equipped highly trained uh, soldiers and uh, even they surrendered so it uh, has a profound psychological effect on uh, the Ukrainian soldiers in general, and that's why they have been uh, like spreading these lies about the evacuation and so on, just to hide the truth for as long as possible.
0: Yeah, I w- found uh, some Ukrainian mummy blog. Uh, where Mm -hmm. they usually discussed uh, some diapers but now they discuss the war Uh, so of course uh, they all speak Russian and they refer to Russians as orcs uh, just uh, as every Ukrainian nationalist do but in any case they're all concerned about the fate of uh, the uh, surrendered Azov because uh, they have been emotionally hit with uh, a lot of videos of uh, like the wives of Azov who cried mm-hmm. over Ukrainian TV for months and now their emotion invested in the story. But um, Russians um, are showing insane level of restraint, and there are no—I uh, have not, not seen any stories of brutality against uh, those. The no, it's
1: actually—it's actually the opposite. It's uh, this uh, show of humanism is actually making people mad, angry. Yeah.
0: Russian patriots would like them to hang from a tree make some bloody ritual. Yeah, I
1: mean, I mean I've mean, heard that uh, the amount of prisoners, I mean, there are by now around 5 or 6 thousand Ukrainian prisoners, or maybe more, and uh, they are straining the medical situation in Donbass. So many of them are wounded, and um, the medical supply situation isn't super great in Donetsk, uh, In any case, and now they also have to care for a bunch of Ukrainian war criminals, and uh, people aren't very happy about that. I've read about doctors uh, complaining or straight up refusing to treat Azov. Um, Yeah, there is a lot of anger there, especially in uh, in Donbas. Of course, since uh, they, it's them who has been suffering for eight years from uh, what Azov has been doing. Uh, So, it's understandable, but yeah, uh, they even let the Red Cross into the prisoner camps. But, of course, there uh, will be trials. Um, It has already been announced that there will be a tribunal in in Donetsk. And they are currently working on the statutes for uh, for the tribunal. It will be a cooperation between Donetsk, Ugansk and Russia.
0: With the loss of Azov battalion, won't uh, Russian propaganda basically lose uh, its uh, most useful weapon—that uh, Ukrainians are Nazis? Uh, look at the. Azov. Uh,
1: I mean, I mean, it's not the whole Azov regiment. There is more Azov in Kharkiv than there uh, has been in Mariupol, and they also made a new unit in Kiev. There is now Azov Kiev. It's not like Azov is just some random regiment. Right, uh, there there are Azov guys over the whole front, in, embedded into regular Ukrainian units, as kind of like political commissars. I saw a very funny video, like uh, like a few hours ago, of uh, an Ukrainian prisoner of war, not from Azov, uh, being interviewed, and uh, the interviewer asked him like, "What do you think of national socialism?" And uh, and the soldiers like, oh, National Socialism, yeah, it's pretty good. But I'm against Nazism. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all are social nationalists to some extent. We're for, for the people and for our nation. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's funny how they didn't think to rebrand because uh, the Western fact checkers. Uh, like um, creating some weird explanations how actually <laughs> there are not Nazis and Sonnenrad is an ancient pagan symbol of peace oh, yeah yeah, it's, yeah is... i mean
1: uh, I, I think i think nemets mentioned that on twitter that um it will be ridiculous because these people will claim in court that they are not Nazis and while being covered in like swastika, Hitler, and Oskar Jellewanger tattoos. So, <laughs> well,
0: um, there is a funny trivia because uh, you mentioned the musicians, uh, certain musicians mm-hmm. who helped uh, to take Papasna, yeah. And the leader of uh, the Wagner PMC, Utkin, Utkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has some Nazi German uh, symbols on his collarbones. So he's all oh, he's an interesting man uh, yeah I am not sure if we are allowed to talk about him uh, for one Timneishi <laughs> yeah, he is um he was born uh, in Tlovska Oblast, so his um neighbor Земляк. земляк yeah. Earthling <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, he moved to Ukraine when he was uh, he's very secretive man but uh, certainly he moved uh, to Ukraine when he was very young right he moved to like mm-hmm. some Kirovgrad or something like that uh, the central Ukraine and uh, there he matured and became a nazi (laughs) of of course of course (laughs) well naturally so then uh, he came back uh, joined the russian army uh became an officer of uh and uh, yeah he became the head of the wagner pmc a very a man who you don't want to meet uh, when you leave your cozy flat isn't just all the, uh, like, Wagner, Azov, all those highly ideological, not ideological, but highly effective, let's say, that military units always uh, connect to the most radical ideologies and they're just natural, so... Mm, this is in some ways true, which is why I've, I, I've
1: always said that, the, like, the... the um, it's... Uh, the denazification discourse is hard to maintain in uh, some ways because in every army in every police force in every paramilitary force um, people with far-right views will be overrepresented that's just in the nature of these things it's impossible to have an army of uh, people who have left liberal views that just doesn't work uh the difference is of course that uh, like Yes, there are like people with, uh, LAPI Nazi ideologies in Wagner in Wagner as well, but Wagner as a whole is not a political unit. Like it's a it's a military unit. It's a private military unit, uh, and. Um, it's not like all of them have uh, it's not a coherent political ideology they have uh, like uh, the ukrainians always try like to say that wagner is the same as azov uh, which is ridiculous uh, of course because azov is straight up a political unit it's a political paramilitary force uh, whereas wagner are like freelancers that have some people who have certain views But, like, uh, there are all kinds of uh, different people in Wagner. And uh, it is uh, an open secret, of course, that uh, the, um, or, like, no one talks about it, but, like, the social uh, class where Azov came from and where the first Donbass volunteers came from, it's largely the same. Like, uh, Pavel Gubrev was also a skinhead when he was a teenager and uh, stuff like this. So uh, it is uh, difficult to, like, uh, show where the limits here are because, uh, of course, every, like, um, it's normal that in uh, an Eastern European paramilitary people will have overwhelmingly right-wing views. Like that's not avoidable, but uh, there is still a large difference between uh, something like uh, Azov. Although I've always said my problem with Azov is not that they have a retarded lab ideology. My 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 problem with Azov is that they are psychopathic war criminals. Uh, so like you have, uh, and Azov is just one of the. Uh, volunteer battalions from the first donbass war uh, they just became the most rich and influential and powerful but uh, like you have stuff like tornado battalion which was not a nazi battalion it was not political but it was one of the worst like actual like like serial killers and pedophile rapists Right now they have been freed from Ukrainian prison and uh, integrated into a new uh, Azov franchise in harkov oblast, by the way. Kraken. Um, so, like Aydar, like uh, which was also, had Nazis, but Aydar wasn't like a super Nazi unit like Azov, but they were still did super horrible stuff in Donbass. Um so, or the Donbass battalion, Donbass 1, Donbass 2, um, these uh, battalions were not as overwhelmingly political as Azov, but uh, nonetheless they committed a lot of horrible war crimes against the people of, the, of Donbass. So, it is, of course, propaganda to, to emphasize the political views of Azov. Um, I mean, I've, I've also already said this, but it's basically a way to um, avoid, uh, like, uh, how would you put it? Uh, it's a way to avoid uh, making people hate Ukrainians, because you can, like, in Russian propaganda, you have this image of the normal people in the Ukrainian army and the evil Nazis in Azov. But of course, in real life, the difference between them is not super great. And Azov doesn't have missiles and rocket artillery, and it wasn't Azov who uh, shelled Donetsk and lugansk for eight years. Like, they don't have heavy artillery. It was not them blowing up schools in Donetsk. It was absolutely regular, normal uh, Ukrainian army units who did that. And, um, you don't have so, you of, don't
0: have to have uh, ideology to do that. You can mm-hmm. just uh, hit the target. And I think this is actually the
1: main purpose of the whole Nazi uh, thing. Um, it's to uh, like separate like the evil guys from the normal guys because otherwise it will like become a different kind of war and one that is not in the interest of Russia.
0: Well, yeah, uh, it's not even about Ukrainians as a nation or whatever. Just because in the in every country, especially in Eastern Europe, um, young, angry, high tea men are a dangerous force, especially if the police are weak. Uh, basically, yes. what happened in the nineties, Russia, such men ran the show and they did a lot of brutality alongside it because they could do it uh, and it doesn't really matter what they believed in because all they uh, want to do is like rape and pillage it's uh, their natural instinct there are a lot of such guys in russia as well but they are not being paraded around they are not being uh, given any political power putin's presidency was about uh, either eliminating such men or converting them into loyal subjects Uh, completely voiceless also but in ukraine it's not the case they did not have time to uh, make a serious state
1: yes i mean mean that that's also the reason why most uh, nazis in russia are Mm -hmm. pro-ukraine the russian uh, nazi movement has uh, for a very long time had close ties to ukraine because these people were harshly persecuted by the Russian state, sometimes killed, uh, illegally killed, like, I don't know, Dmitry Brevikov, who was killed in police custody. Um, um, And many of these people fled to Ukraine because Ukraine had more corruption, lower state capabilities, and uh, was more lenient towards people with extremist nationalist ideologies. So for many Russian neo-Nazis, Ukraine is kind of like a friendly state that gave them refuge from the evil Russian state who who put them in prison or killed them. And uh, that's why their political loyalty lies with Ukraine.
0: Exactly, uh, in this sense Ukraine really is a more country that has more freedom But freedom is not about some policies, it's about the statelessness basically In this sense Me- Mexico is uh, much more democratic and freedom loving than US Just because they have a more corrupt police and you can do anyth- anything you want if you have money and uh, influence also, I, I remember uh, when I was very concerned as a late teenager with uh, bodybuilding, I researched uh, some steroids uh, in Russia, and they're all illegal, right? Like, uh, Ill- uh, like heroin. You can <laughs> be put in jail for possession of steroids. Whereas in Ukraine, you could uh, basically buy uh, some over the country in the drugstore. And I, damn, why am I not a Ukrainian? (laughs) And uh, yeah, this is uh, the freedom Ukrainian style, basically. A lot like Mexico. Uh, All right. So, ah, uh, yeah, Nazis are bad now. uh, Because uh, in Buffalo some uh, insult shooter killed some black men. I'm not even that interested in stuff like that anymore. <laughs> uh, sometimes uh, in the past I was more entertained by some manifestos, by all of that. But now I'm not. Uh, have you read uh, the manifesto?
1: Uh, I've not. I've only seen screenshots on Twitter. Uh, it appears to be a very low effort manifesto. With, like,
0: it's very huge. Just...
1: Yeah, but it's like Copy pasta from the uh, New Zealand guy. Uh, what was his name?
0: Tarrant uh, Brenton. Yes, 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 Yeah.
1: Which is actually quite interesting. I think uh, Brenton Tarrant actually visited Ukraine and uh, mm-hmm. uh, had ties to Azov. Yeah, yeah, he did. Mm, I think that's a very interesting topic in general, as um, like the evolution of the white nationalist movement in this. Um, I mean, it's a very large topic that is uh, too large for, like, a single podcast episode. I've considered writing an article about it. But basically, uh, Azov is part of this whole um, sad, uh, occult, satanist part of white nationalism, uh, like the Atomwaffen guys in America and or, uh, like, uh, the Slab group in Britain, the uh, what, Order of Nine Angles. And it's uh, this weird, like, occultist, uh, fat access in uh, white nationalism. It is responsible for a lot of the terrorism stuff that we hear uh, and the mass shootings. And um, it's uh, pretty dark and grim stuff. And, um, but I think it should be researched some more. But uh, I think I, I will probably write something about that at some point.
0: It just sounds weird. Uh, the lone wolf, uh, 18 years old kid, visited Fortune, Paul, and uh, got okay. radicalized into killing uh, some random black man. Uh, in this case, well, like, like Elliot Roger. It's a completely logical rampage because he for years he was uh, an autistic uh, schizo who was rejected by girls it makes sense in some twisted way but uh, like being acquainted with fortune in 2020 for the first time and being radicalized by it sounds like dump for, for me uh, I, I can't imagine it's like it's such a Post ironic, whatever garbage that you can't be motivated to kill anyone uh, because of some stats that you have seen on there. Uh, because uh, right now, I don't know, Fortune's Pole is like a refuge for all these trumpers uh, 40 years old uh, like <laughs> mega q announce, and they can't convince any 18 years old <laughs> of anything so uh, i don't know it's uh, yeah i mean i guess
1: uh, we're straying very far from the topic sure. but um, uh, there will always be like a Social case of super disenfranchised and frustrated young men, and uh, they will just latch onto any radical ideology that uh, will give them like a sense of purpose. In that point, uh, in in that way, there is uh, little difference, uh, whatever they. Become like uh, Antifa or white nationalist mass shooters, or I don't know, Islamists, or something. Oh well,
0: yeah, and all these have a purpose for uh, feds. Uh, in like U.S., yes. uh, they serve uh, as a political tool to like uh, bolster some anti-gun legislation in Ukraine. They serve as uh, the warriors against the Russians, so they're very useful in any case. Alright, uh, uh, okay, so yeah, I, I promised you to talk about uh, the regular life of uh, average people in LDNR because for eight years Donetsk is not what it uh, used to be. Uh, I'm not an expert at all, I read some blogs about people who live there, and uh, in Donetsk uh, it's a very interesting culture that erupted. Um, Mm -hmm. um, They have uh, their own cafeterias, they have their own services, uh, and they have a, a very interesting frozen... Uh, aesthetic uh, from various periods Uh, they have chunks of ukrainian history like ukrainian language uh, written all over uh, some soviet of course um, buildings aesthetics constructions uh, and some new wartime peculiarities um, like such as uh, they are constantly being shot at uh, Uh, They have uh, water shortages. Uh, People are much more friendlier than in Russia proper because they need to survive, basically. And they need to know where you can get the water when it's cut off. You can't get uh, water from Yandex uh, services because they don't work there. Uh, Basically, the entire internet that is so beautifully tied to the everyday life in Russian big city is absent mm-hmm. in Donetsk. And they live in a bubble, in a very interesting bubble. In culinary also, they um, inherited the chic of uh, Russian restaurants from the, the thousands with uh, endless sushi. Uh, so they all yeah sushi. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's very interesting. The, 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 I, I, I've also heard about that uh, from uh, people and read about it. It's just... Uh, because, like, in the context of everyday practices, uh, the Donbass, has, uh, they have been trying to simulate what they had before yeah. the war. And many people, like, outside of the of the context of the conflict don't understand that Donetsk is not some village. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not a it's dying village, with, no. It's, 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 like, it's like a million people live there. There is a very rich sushi culture <laughs> there. And uh, people... Um, because the meat in Donetsk is not very good. There problems with importing meat.
0: But why don't they have uh, uh, problems with po- importing sushi, uh, fish? I
1: don't know. I don't know. Uh, for some reason, uh, importing fish is easier than. Uh, it's not meat. local fish know. from
0: the rivers. It's like uh, no, of course, uh, not. the salmon. But,
1: but, uh, or, yeah. b- but all, all of Donetsk eats sushi rolls, <laughs> uh, and in a and in a city where you can't most of the time go to the store and buy beef there are like 20 delivery services for sushi and, well, and by sushi
0: we mean a different thing from what you might be acquainted with I'm not sure what uh, what status uh, sushi has outside the Russian world even uh, I think it's not that large uh, for some reason in Russia and Ukraine in the 2000s there was a trend for sushi what is sushi in russia it's a uh, rolls rolls that were designed i think in america uh, it's like japanese uh, mm-hmm. influenced japanese themed uh, food uh, like those rolls with uh, japanese rice with uh, some uh, fish some sauce uh, and in russia uh, there are different tiers of sushi there are, there is something that resembles uh, probably japanese cuisine or american japanese themed cuisine but uh, the lower grade sushi are just like uh, pieces of rice uh, with mayo and some fish <laughs> and it's not uh, that it's like all right it's it's uh, nice it's a, a nourishing you can eat it but uh, it's healthy. it's healthy. Yeah, but uh, there is uh, some kind of weird obsession with it uh, mm-hmm. because uh, maybe because it's so ritualistic. Uh, because you can you have this uh, fake wasabi, which is not like Japanese wasabi, but actually uh, the Korean <laughs> colored with green. Uh, you have uh, all those, uh, imbiri, what, ginger, uh, marinated fermented mm-hmm. ginger, and. Uh, mm-hmm. There is um like uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I can't even put it in the words. you, you should uh, visit Russia yeah, and and, just for and, sushi. And all
1: that <laughs> yeah, and all that is uh, turned up to eleven in Donetsk. like I've uh, really heard a lot of people say that uh, uh, the sushi delivery services in Donetsk are even better than in Moscow, <laughs> and that uh, and that if you go to like the the CD bars where the military correspondents and the so and the soldiers hang out. And you have these guys, like 40-year-old shabby men with broken noses. And they are drinking beer and uh, eating like sets of Philadelphia rolls. With sticks
0: or forks? (laughs)
1: Oh, that's a good yeah. question. I, 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 th- I will I will inquire. I think about
0: that. Uh, Donetsk. Uh, if they love sushi so much, they love it for rituals. It's pointless to ha- yeah. to eat with forks. You can just eat normal food. Yeah. So it's funny. Can you imagine a, a person that you? Ukrainian calls orcs and in Western media is, he's portrayed as a, some sort of degenerate, uh, vodka-soaked uh, <laughs> untermensch. And he goes to a sushi bar, picks some, uh, his favorite set and picks it with sticks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> incredible.
1: I've also recently discovered um, a whole segment of Twitter I wasn't aware of. Uh, which is like, um, like like cape Pop, anime, uh, Harry Potter, teenage girl, Twitter, but from Donetsk. Mm,
0: that's interesting.
1: And 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 you have like these schoolgirls from Donetsk who are exactly the same as every other teenage girl on the internet, but at the same time they are like super patriotic about <laughs> the Donetsk people. About the Donetsk well, people's because and they get in, their relatives and, and serve they get in, in the
0: in, army or whatever, they are connected. Yeah, yeah,
1: and they and they get like into flame wars with Ukrainians, TikTokers,
0: and, 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 and K-popers.
1: Yeah, 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 and it's uh, like uh, a hidden world I didn't even know existed, but but uh, uh, it's absolutely real. You you have like um, 14-year-old girls from Donetsk who have like Harry Potter houses in their uh, Twitter bio. And they will be arguing about uh, uh, how great the uh, DPR is with Ukrainians on the internet.
0: Wherever the life is harshest uh, in Russian Russian world, more and more girls are into some phantoms to like a form of escapism. Uh, so a lot of Russian mm-hmm. villages are uh, just like that. But yeah, in any case, uh, life in Donetsk, of course, is very complicated because of the war. But it's not all dead and uh, gloom. Even like a lot of uh, Moscow journalists uh, lived, uh, lived there for months, and uh, I don't—they're not uh, complaining. They're more—they uh, seem more interested in the, the local culture. Mm-hmm.
1: By the way, uh, uh, this week. Uh, they have opened the border, uh, the Russian DPR border. It's now completely open for everyone. Finally, and uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe uh, we should like think about an uh, RWA expedition to Donetsk.
0: And let's talk about the quality of life in Russia proper. You can see and hear a lot of stuff about the economic decline, or ruble this, or sanctions that, comparisons to the uh, 70s uh, Iran. Speaking from my own experience, there was never a time where a common Russian enjoyed uh, more wealth than he does right now. Even some 15 years ago, Russia was completely different. In a supposedly prosperous 2000s, people drove uh, Soviet-made cars in in large, like 95% lived in the Soviet-made commie blocks, and now it's not the case. None of this is the case anymore. Tens of millions of people live in nice uh, high-rises, with gated communities and clean uh, surroundings. I would recommend you to strongly ignore anything economics related uh, from Russia or about Russia, because uh, our economy is uh, a lot like looking too closely at a Bitcoin chart. Oh no, it's falling down, oh, it's up again. It doesn't matter. the All it matters is the what people look like what are they wearing where do they live and what cars do they drive and how much they can spend extra on like gucci flip flops and uh, tourism that's all the gdp I use. and uh, the positive like factual based on more effects not feelings news um, is that due to Ruble strengthening. Some products gotten a lot more cheaper than they were in the first month of the special operation. So there is that. Well, um,
1: I think uh, a positive note uh, is that um, Pushilin, the head of the Donetsk People's Republic, has announced that uh, Mariupol will be completely rebuilt um, with help from Russia. Uh, They will try to turn it into a resort town, which is quite interesting, I think. It's uh, basically a great place for that on the sea. Um, And Azovstal will not be rebuilt, um, which I think is a good decision. Because Azovstal is a super old Soviet factory. I think it's
0: even... Pre-Soviet. Well, it started out even before that.
1: It's uh, In any case, it hasn't breaking down and hasn't been modernized since uh, well, since Ukraine became independent. Um, it's a huge poison machine, basically. Mariupol has super high cancer rates because of the mm-hmm. style. People have been complaining about this for decades and uh, nothing was ever done. Well... And uh, just from a like ecological uh, point of view, it's uh, actually really good that, uh, despite its economic importance, uh, that Azovstal will, will be not be rebuilt. Mariupol still has the Illich plant, uh, which is actually I think is more uh, productive than Azovstal even was, despite uh, uh, Azovstal being larger. Mm. And um, so yeah. Uh, let's hope that Mariupol will be rebuilt as uh, with as much care and investments as Grozny, Grozny was uh, after the war. And that Mariupol uh, will become a big, beautiful city that will be better than it was before.
0: Yeah, let's hope that it will happen soon. Thank you for listening and see you next time.